dropping on my face. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, I've gotten a few questions about the opening theme song. Pretty catchy, huh? There's an unnecessarily long story as to how it came about, but I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version. Originally, I wanted a theme song for each decade of movie I was reviewing, which reflected music of that time. So for 60s movies, there would be dreamy folk music like the Mamas and the Papas. The 70s would have a disco funk feel. I would do a synth pop vibe thing for the 80s. The 90s would just have to be grunge, right? But I'm really not sure what the 2000s would be. Maybe an emo theme with a whiny lead singer? But the first movie I reviewed was The Nice Guys from 2016, but its setting was in the 70s, so I worked on that theme first, and it just stuck. The more I listened to it, I couldn't get it out of my head, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but it is kind of an earworm. And if I'm being completely honest, it took me a while to compose it, and I really wasn't looking forward to writing four other themes. I was thinking of changing things up for season two, I played with the idea of doing sound-alike theme songs and was pretty far down the line. My first attempt was the B-52s, kind of a Love Shack rock lobster thing. Just what you've been waiting for. Movies, TV, so much more. And you just have weird sound effects in the background. And that's the (laughs) B-52s. But I'm not caught up on the laws of parody so I didn't feel like getting sued by Fred Schneider. So I just let it be. And the theme song lives on. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It. Two stars Watch at Your Own Risk. Three stars Standard Fair. Four stars Worth Checking Out. And five stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the pilot episode for Charmed from 1998. So how'd I miss it? Well, I didn't watch too many TV shows around the time I was in college. My friends and I were film majors, so television was looked down upon as substandard in terms of quality, at least at that time. All we watched or movies. It's ironic that a short time later, television is seen as the gold standard, and if you're not a comic book movie, are you really a movie? It was created by Constance M. Burge, who wrote the pilot episode entitled Something Wicca This Way Comes. Get it? It's like wicked, but yeah. yeah. It was directed by John T. Kretschmer, who helmed episodes of iZombie, White Collar, and Veronica Mars. This is something to look out for. 
The newspaper that Prue picks up from the sidewalk has the same headline as seen in Mrs. Doubtfire. Fireman Doubtfire was accidental, which is how Daniel Hillard chose the alter ego, Doubtfire. It was probably produced by the same newspaper prop company. Yeah, those are a thing in Hollywood. So the episode begins with a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge establishing we're in San Francisco. A blonde woman kneels by an altar and casts an incantation when she's killed by a man in black, wielding a double-edged steel knife known as an athame, a ceremonial tool used to direct energy. Inspector Andrew Trudeau is investigating a string of dead women in their mid to late 20s. He was late at the recent crime scene because he was checking out a lead at an occult shop. He believes that someone is targeting witches. They're all found at altars with offers in the same triquetra tattoos. His partner, Daryl Morris, dismisses that angle and thinks just women, not witches, are being killed. On the scene is Jeremy Burns, a reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle, who asks the officers for details on the case. At the Hallowell Manor, a beautiful Victorian house, sisters Prue and Piper live together. Prue Hallowell is portrayed by Shannon Doherty, who starred in Mallrats and Beverly Hills 90210. She works at the American Museum of Natural History. The extra money that she helped raise through private donations helped make the Beals artifacts part of their permanent collection, but the board of directors wanted someone more qualified to handle the exhibit, and her ex-fiancé Roger is assigned. She quits in protest. Piper Hallowell is played by Holly Marie Combs, known for Picket Fences and Pretty Little Liars. She's a cook who's currently looking for a job. She's in a relationship with Jeremy, who sent her roses and a rare port wine for a special recipe for her next interview. They met at the hospital when her grams was admitted. She was upset. He was there covering a story and handed her a napkin with his phone number on it. They're having issues with the power, and while searching in the basement for a circuit tester, Prue found their old spirit board. She remarks that they should send it to their sister Phoebe, who has no sense of the future. Speaking of, Piper lets Prue know that Phoebe is moving back from New York to live with them. Prue doesn't approve and wants to rent out the spare room, but Piper says that the house was willed to the three of them by their grams. Phoebe Hallowell is performed by Alyssa Milano of Commando and Who's the Boss fame. She just lost her job and was in debt. When she arrives, Prue confronts Phoebe about wanting to sell Graham's house, even though it's been in their family for generations. But there are underlying issues here. Phoebe gets right to the heart of the matter and says that she never had an affair with Roger, even though that's what he told Prue. When Phoebe vents to Piper about Prue treating her like a child, Piper reminds her that their older sister sacrificed her own childhood to raise them. Needless to say... There's some tension. While in the kitchen, Phoebe notices that the pointer on the old spirit board moved on its own. It spells out the word attic. She alerts the sisters, but they don't believe her at first because she always moved the pointer. Prue tells Piper that she's playing a joke on them. They've lived in the manor for months and never been able to get the attic door open. Suddenly, the power goes out. While Prue wants to go to the basement to check out the circuit box, Phoebe wants to go to the attic. She attempts to open the door, but the knob doesn't budge. She begins to walk away when the door opens by itself. She explores the attic and finds a trunk that has the Book of Shadows within, a Triquetra logo on the cover. She reads out the incantation on the first page, and afterwards, a magic spell is unleashed, which unlocks the sisters' powers as witches. 
The next morning, Phoebe explains to Piper that one of their ancestors, named Melinda Warren, was a witch who had the power to move objects with her mind, see into the future, and stop time. Before she was burned at the stake, she vowed that each generation of Warren witches will be stronger than the last, culminating in the arrival of three sisters, who would be the most powerful witches in the world. Even though Piper dismisses the idea as hooey, the sisters soon unearth their newly discovered powers in their everyday lives. But outside the manor lurks the man in black. Will they be his next victims? Here's a quote without context. Don't you think you're overreacting? We're perfectly safe here. Charmed was a fun pilot. It was well-paced. It never lost my interest. They would pepper in backstory throughout the first two acts so we learn more about the characters without being beaten over the head with exposition. The characters are established pretty quickly, too. While I imagine they'll grow throughout the rest of the series, it comes down to Prue being tough as nails, Piper is the people-pleaser, and Phoebe is a bit eccentric. All three actresses play their parts really well. The dialogue was funnier than expected. Don't get me wrong, this is not a comedy series. But there were a couple of one-liners that legitimately made me laugh. I'm not sure if that's kept up throughout the series, but it was a plus for me. I think this will be a show I try to keep up with. The pilot certainly made me want to know more about this universe. It's interested me more than other episodes I watched last season of the podcast, and I've always been a fan of shows that are based in reality but have a little bit of fantastical element to them. Now for a little trivial trivia. Shannon Doherty would leave after three seasons to be replaced by Rose McGowan, who portrays Paige Matthews, a half-sister to the Hallowells. The cinematography was captured by Thomas Del Ruth, whose filmography includes The Running Man, The Graduate, The Breakfast Club, and won two Primetime Emmy Awards for The West Wing, and Michael Negrin, who started his career shooting Billy Joel videos before moving on to Desperate Housewives and Dante's Inferno. It was edited by Derek Berlaski, who worked on Beverly Hills 90210, Tremors, and Marked for Death. The score was composed by Tim Truman, who wrote the music for Miami Vice and Melrose Place. The runtime is 42 minutes, with subsequent episodes varying from 40 to 45 minutes in length. I give it a solid 4 out of 5 stars. Charmed was on for 8 seasons, 178 episodes from 1998 to 2006. A reboot with an entirely new cast started in 2018 and has been on for three seasons, 59 episodes, with more to come. If you've seen Charmed and have opinions on the series, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along. Each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. I have a very inquisitive mind. I always want to know how things work. It doesn't mean I'm interested in the subject. I couldn't care less about cars, but all the pistons, valves, spark plugs working in coordination to get me to GameStop is pretty critical. In the late 90s, there were a few shows produced called Breaking the Magician's Code, Magic's Biggest Secrets Finally Revealed. Gob would be very upset. I was fascinated to find out how they performed some of their tricks, but even after you know the inner workings, it doesn't ruin the illusion for me. I can watch it with fresh eyes and still be astounded. So I started going down a YouTube wormhole and came across videos of a sleight-of-hand magic artist named Chris Hannibal. This guy is good. 
He's got a great personality and knows how to engage with the audience, and that's a big part of sleight of hand magic. You need to earn their trust to be able to misdirect. And misdirect he does. Even when people in the comments section gives the time code of where the sleight of hand occurs, it's rare that I can spot it. Or he does it so subtly that you'll only notice it if you're looking for it. I'll post two of his videos, but there are plenty to watch and be amazed by. They're all available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about They Live. Directed by John Carpenter, edited by John Carpenter, composed by John Carpenter, written by John Carpenter. He's like Bugs Bunny against the Gas House Gorillas, pitching Bugs Bunny, first base Bugs Bunny, second base Bugs Bunny. They Live is based on the short story 8 O'Clock in the Morning by Ray Nelson, who collaborated with Philip K. Dick, a childhood friend, on the novel The Ganymede Takeover. He also claimed to be the creator of the Propeller Beanie Cap. Okay. It starred WWF Hall of Famer Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was one of the most entertaining wrestlers. You put a mic in front of his face and something great was going to come out. It didn't matter if he was a heel or a face. He always knew how to get over with the crowd. Now, last season on the podcast, I mentioned that this is the best movie featuring a wrestler in the lead role. I stand by that statement, despite the fact that The Rock is probably the biggest movie star at the moment. So, John Nada comes across a pair of sunglasses that allows him to see subliminal messages about consumerism and capitalism perpetrated by the government and media. But more alarmingly, a race of alien creatures are taxed with keeping humans subservient. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I think aliens are metaphors for lobbyists. The film is most memorable for the seven-minute fight scene between Roddy Piper and Keith David. It follows the pattern of, I'm entertained. All right, this is going way too long. Is this thing going to end? Oh, wait a minute, I'm entertained again. It also has one of my favorite lines, which Piper had written down in a notebook to use in a future wrestling promo. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. How great is that? Look, it's a cult classic, so don't expect the best of everything, but it's a really solid film that I enjoy watching around the Halloween season. It's another Carpenter hit, They Live. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for all the reviews, rants, and randomness. Charmed from... Good start. Good start. I have no idea what year it's from. They're all found at altars with offerings in the same quatretro... I'll post two of his videos, but there'll be plenty of something. Boy, I lost my steam there. And one two-time prime time time. Whoa. <laughs>